Hey everybody, it is Tuesday, December 13th at 5.18 p.m. Uh, Mike Babinski got his man earlier today. He hired uh, Ryan Walters, um, the Illinois defensive coordinator. Walter was, was of course, featured in our coaching search. Uh, he was not a top tier. I don't even think he was a second tier um, choice for us. Um, I'm going to talk about that here in a second. And also, of course... Uh, yesterday, which was Monday, uh, Purdue, the AP poll came out and Purdue is number one in basketball. So it's the second time that's happened. Last year, it was for a, for a week this year. Hopefully it can be much longer and uh, bigger than that. Just hope this team can handle the success and the trappings that come with number one. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Before I do it, let me thank our sponsors. Thanks to Martin Vintage. Head over to martinvintage.com. Buy a t-shirt, buy a sweatshirt. Interboiled at checkout, get 15% off. Uh, and also, when you're on campus, go to AJ's on Vine, burgers, beef, and beer. Before you go there, go to eatajs.com, pre-order, so you don't have to wait. You can just go and stuff your gullet, drink a brew, have, it at, have at it, eatajs.com. Okay, so um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to go through the whole thing with me, be as honest as I can, um, and kind of juxtapose that with why my feelings were what they are and why they are what they are. I've perused the, the boards. Um, I have tried to research as much as I can and become as informed as I can. And um, so here, I'm going to get my thoughts. Okay, so Mike Babinski, let's set this up. A week ago, Mike Babinski, no. Uh, Purdue found out that Brom was leaving a week ago. I think that's right. Seven days. I think that's right. It was either Monday or Tuesday. Um, and uh, Babinski came out on Thursday of last week, had a presser, and answered some questions about his search and the way he thought it would go and what the things he were looking for. One thing that, that you had to come away with after that presser was that Babinski was completely confident that Purdue was in the position where they didn't need to make sacrifices and they were ready to – Hire a coach that would be the next step in the evolution of the program, meaning take them to the next level. That's the way I heard it. Um, I don't have a direct quote. I listened to it. I know the way I felt coming out of it. And then uh, I looked at the way we've been thinking at Boiled Sports. I told you I was traveling last week. And um, my thoughts were, okay, one of these tier one guys is definitely in the crosshairs and, and should be the person that they hire. You heard my top five. I've got it written down here someplace. But I had guys like Kleeman and Clawson and DeBeer. Uh, I think Matt Campbell was fourth. And Todd, uh, pardon me, Tyson Helton was number five. I think that's right. And so as, as things started kind of leaking, number one, I was suspect of the leaks. But you started hearing leaks from people that really didn't know much. They were saying, it's going to be Helton. It's going to be Helton. Nope, nope, it's going to be Beamer. Nope, nope, it's going to be, I heard Narduzzi, and I heard, I heard a lot of things, and there were like chirps coming at me from, uh, not tweets, but people were texting me, and then I'd look on the knucklehead board, which is a cesspool right now, if you have been over there, I feel bad for the, uh, I mean, why should I feel bad? They chose to go to a new, new network, and God bless the guys at Golden Black, they do a good job, um, but they're dealing with some stuff over there. That $1 entry fee is, uh, is opened up the gates of hell a bit. Um, it's crazy over there. And I'm not saying this because uh, I'm an elitist that thinks $99 keeps people out, but it kind of does. 
but it's just, man, people are just talking about stupid crap. And a lot of people are just spouting off. And instead of taking a moment just to take a deep breath, it seems like the first place they're going is over to the knucklehead board. Mercy, that's rough. My buddy Greg McManus talked about the way he handled it. He looked in, took a peek in last night and said, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And he put a Seinfeld gif on Twitter. I thought it perfectly summed up the way I feel when I go on there right now. <clears throat> but anyway, um, it's not their fault that way. It's just kind of crazy. But you heard a lot of bad rumors. That's my point. And you, if you're on here, heard those bad rumors too, heard different things. And last night I said one thing, and I thought if it's Helton, they should have announced it on Friday, right? I mean, it felt like that's an open shut. If you're going to go that way, that's a guy you can hire right now. He really does not take much work. Go get him. He wants to be a head, a head coach in, uh, in a bigger conference. There were a lot of whispers about that. and Tom Dienert had some things to say. And um, none of these things were correct. Uh, the thing that I walked away with, I was like, if it's Helton, why wouldn't they have already announced it? It's probably going to be somebody on the list. And I turned out to be right in my internal discussions with other people. But it did not go the way I thought it would. I really thought Purdue would go after a guy with head coaching experience. And the reason I wanted to see a coach with head coaching experience was, was multifaceted. I did not want Dan Mullen. Anish brought that up on a side thing. I didn't want a guy that was a retread who had been fired and it didn't go well and say, okay, now is his big chance to be successful. I didn't want that. I wanted a guy who's been successful, who maybe has not gone to the level and not been in a P5 com, uh, uh, conference school, um, a guy that maybe he's a Mac type of guy, maybe he's a guy who's been at a smaller school that doesn't have the budget, who's in a major conference, maybe he's in a school like Cincinnati, somebody like, somebody like Fickle. Fickle's a tough act to follow, though, obviously, because of the immense amount of success and that depth. That's the hard thing. You know, Purdue hired Daryl Hazel, and Hazel had very little. He had two years as a head coach, and Purdue jumped on him. He was a name that a lot of people liked. I liked him. I thought he was a good, I thought he was a good hire. Turns out he wasn't, um, and he wasn't for a myriad of reasons. But we can talk about that here in a minute. Now, Ryan Walters is a different guy. Ryan Walters is a guy. He is uh, coming off a very good season, number one defense in America. Purdue played them. He was defensive coordinator at Missouri for a couple years. He was Illinois defensive coordinator for two seasons. Um, he was also uh, Missouri's safeties and co-defensive coordinator, I think, before that. And the stops before that are, are smaller one-year type stops. You've got uh, Colorado, Arizona, Oklahoma, North Texas. Um, these are all either positional coaches or GA positions. Then he had Memphis, where I think he uh, cornerbacks coach. So he's cornerbacks coach for North Texas, Memphis, and then Missouri safeties, and then Ill and then Missouri he was safety co DC, and then he was DC, and then Illinois defensive coordinator. So not not I mean he's he's a well accomplished defensive coordinator. So there are a couple things that got my attention though. First, the history and. Um, it's kind of undeniable. When Purdue's really successful, it comes from offensive innovation. And people often ask, why is that? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one, it's a pretty easy sell when you're saying, hey, to a quarterback, you should come here. We're going to run this wide open offense, whatever it is. We're going to sling the ball a lot, whatever. It's a great equalizer, right, when you have a powerful offense. Um, and so if you want to sell that idea and you say, look at all these quarterbacks who have come through. A lot of people were bringing up stats. Look at all these offensive starts in the NFL Purdue quarterbacks have. So it's an easier thing to say, yeah, you can be the next guy in the cradle of quarterbacks. That's a, that's a cool thing. That's a big deal, right? 
And so, so that's part of Purdue's culture. It's baked into Purdue's uh, identity as a program. So I've, I had a quick discussion with people on Twitter, and people are trying to kind of shape the way things are. And then the last comment I saw before I came on here was somebody saying, are you saying it can't happen? Or are you saying or to somebody else they're having it within the thread? It's not impossible for Purdue to get a defensive-minded head coach to succeed. Absolutely not. Anybody who says something like that is being silly because anything's possible if you get the right fit. Something Bryant Newbert talked about, the fit is so important in a, in a post he made yesterday. The fit is essential, in fact, absolutely imperative. And so do we know if Ryan Walter is going to be a good fit? I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy. Okay, I'm going to be really frank. Um, he's 36 years old. Good, young guy, young gun, good. A lot of energy, a lot of upside. He's a Colorado grad. Does that mean when Dion succeeds or fails, he's the guy that's going to go to Colorado? I don't know. There are a lot of stories around there that say he wanted to stay in the Big Ten. He likes the Big Ten. I don't know about that either. I don't. I mean, that's the thing. There's so much rumor out there. But the thing that I looked at is I really wanted a coach that had experience because in the immediate, you have a coach that comes in, he's got his system, he can deal with the headwinds that he might have at Purdue. I don't know what those are, but everybody has that something where like, okay, man, I wish it was more this way when they come into that place. And if you have your system in place, you're saying, okay, I just need to get to that, right? I got to find my goal. Um, and the other thing is building a staff. You're hearing a lot of people say these things. They'll say, yeah, I think Walters can be really good, but I want to know who he's going to get as offensive coordinator. That's a big deal. Now pretend for a second, Purdue would have gotten Kleeman or Clawson, okay? Because those are two guys that I really liked and they're experienced, and they've built staffs. I think they've built multiple staffs, both of them. Those guys come in, what they would do right away, and they'd say, I, I know this guy, this guy, this guy. They would start going through their, their mental Rolodex and then their literal Rolodex, and they'd say, I'm going to call this guy for my OC because he's staying back there, and he's going here, and that sort of thing happens. When you're 36 years old and your greatest position has been a defensive coordinator, um, and you've only done that for, what, four years where he's been a, a true defensive coordinator – that Rolodex is not as big, the amount of people you know. So you have to kind of lean on some other people and say, hey, maybe can you help me find this guy? Or you, you call your network and say, anybody know someone looking for a running backs coach? You're looking for an offensive coordinator? You're looking for a wide receiver coach? Whatever, especially when you're on the defensive side of the ball. Now, he could get the best offensive coordinator, and this could be an awesome fit, and it's a guy that he knows. And maybe there's somebody that, um, that he's got a connection to from Illinois. I don't know. Maybe it's somebody who's like, okay, hey, this is an up-and-comer. We want to go get him. See, like my idea, I was like, man, you know what would be cool? We get Taylor Stubblefield there, and you say, yeah, we'll take a risk on Taylor Stubblefield being the offensive coordinator. Give him his first chance there. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I don't know. I, maybe that's too early for Taylor. I don't know. Maybe Taylor Stubblefield will come coach wide receivers. I don't know. Spitballing a little bit, okay? I think uh, Stubblefield is older than Walters probably by, what, six years, something like that. No matter. He does need a good offense coordinator. There's, there's no doubt about that. And there are a couple things I think in the immediate future a lot of Purdue fans want to see Walters do. One of them is make sure Brady Allen wants to stay at Purdue. That's a big deal. We already heard Maccabee wants to stay at Purdue. He said that initially. I would think this would nothing would change here. He, you know, he sees a plan. sees the coach, coaching staff starting to form. I think tomorrow at the, the, um, the, uh, the press event with Babinski and Walters when he's officially introduced, I think it's at noon, I think we'll know a lot more. And a heads up to you guys out there, programming note to you. We will have a handsome hour tomorrow evening, I believe. Uh, that's not set in stone. You know how it works around here. But that's what we're trying to. We're pointing at as kind of a reaction to that. Um, so there's, there is upside. So here, let me, 
but there are a lot of things that I wish would were different. I wish this guy had more experience. I wish if he didn't have that experience, there was a Purdue connection, so he'd understand number one, what is Purdue about, what are the headwinds he's gonna do, what, what things he's gonna deal with. So nothing's surprising to him. So he doesn't feel like, oh man, I was blindsided by this because I didn't know Purdue's culture all that well. That type of thing. Okay. Um, kind of that simple. And the other thing is, I believe Mike Babinski raised our expectations, raised mine for sure, to believe that it's probably going to be a guy that is ready to go, who has had a lot of success, who is a a salty veteran in this game. He's going to come in here, and he's going to be a good fit, and it's going to click, and then Purdue's going to go from being a 9- or 8-win team to maybe to that 10-win threshold that Jay has been talking about for so long. Now, can Walters do it? Yes. Do I believe he can do it? Sure. Is there a reason to believe it's going to take some time? There's going to be hiccups and bumps in the road? Yeah, I think so. With a coach this young who's never built a staff, I believe so. But here, let's look at the positives. Let's look at that side first. The the positives, Purdue's defensive backfield needed major help last year. Everybody recognizes that. Also, on the defensive side of the ball in general, for a couple years, you know, Purdue had the three-headed monster in Lambert, English, and Hagen as co-co-co-defensive coordinator, and that worked well for one year well Purdue had an aggressive defense made some mistakes but they were pretty good now Purdue needed a defensive overhaul and there's also things we're hearing whispers now that there were things culturally happening in within the program that may have been a bigger problem that we were aware of one of those things it looks like there's going to be a massive amount of academic uh, attrition that's a big deal Purdue fans generally don't have a lot of time for that when guys aren't making grades. Uh, it's something I think as Purdue fans, most of you are Purdue grads, Purdue alums. You want to see these guys being students. I do. Uh, I can only speak from my perspective accurately, but I think that's a pretty fair statement. So when you hear things like these guys aren't academically strong, and it, then it starts hurting the program, and those guys sometimes you hear them talk, you're like, wow, <clears throat> I don't know if he's, he goes to class period, right? So there's a culture there. Um, so these things needed adjustment. It was time for things to change there, and that's a that's a good thing. Now, was Jeff Brom um, lax in his closing chapter here at Purdue? Well, if he has 12 guys. That means something was broken. The people that, that check on the grades, the people that see how things are going, something was not going the way it formally went. Because Purdue, I think, had two or three academic um, attrition um, victims, whatever you want to call it, before the bowl last year, I think it was two or three. Uh, one of them was important, right? Right? They lost right right before going to the Music City Bowl. But to have twelve, if that's what the if the rumor is correct, that's going to be a huge hit right before the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl now looks very unusual. If you haven't heard this, Drew Brees is going to be uh, he's going to have a role within the program. That's incredible. It's neat news. I love Drew Brees, even when he does stupid things like pretends his own death in a lightning accident for a casino um yeah but i, I think that's a big deal i am breeze there and if you don't if you haven't been paying attention which is okay if you haven't um you're gonna have brian brahm as the interim head coach hagan is staying around to be dc and then the the rest of the coaches coaching staff is kind of a condensed version it doesn't have as many people there but it'll be fine for the the bowl game preparation so that's the first thing that's my kind of I don't want to say 10,000 foot view. I hate that talk, but that's really my thought on Ryan Walters. I think there's a, there's a good chance he could do well. And there's also a chance he could not do well based on the fact that this is hard. It is not a crapshoot, by the way, to hire a coach. It is difficult, 
a lot of coaches end up getting fired in college football, especially major college football. But parameters kind of help you guide and giving guy infrastructure. And Nish always talks about that. The, the infrastructure around a coach helps. How much money is their coaching staff make? What's the standard within the school? Is the school very clear? And is everybody on the same page? Is that cultural fit there? All those things matter. Okay. But let me go through and I'm going to admit some of my wrongs and show you some of places that we all maybe have thought. So is it important that Ryan Walters comes in tomorrow during this press conference and sounds like uh, Nick Saban to the press? Uh, on some ways, yeah. It's important that he sounds like he knows what he's doing and he energizes the fan base and he shores up season ticket holders. Because there are a lot of people like me who are like, okay, yeah, a season ticket holder. I want to hear good stuff, right? I want to hear what he has to say. I want to hear his vision. I want to hear his plan. Wanna, you know, I want to feel like, yeah, rah, 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 we're ready to go. I did feel that way when Jeff Brom came in, honestly. So Jeff Brom won that press conference, right? That's what they always say. Winning the press conference matters. But it doesn't, it's not the key to success at all. In fact, I think Daryl Hazel won that press conference. When he was welcomed to Purdue in, is that 2008? I can never remember. 2008? I don't know. I think it's 2008. Um, yeah, probably 2008. Six years, 2018. No, it's not 2008. It doesn't matter. My brain's horrible. That could have been. Um, whenever Daryl Hazel was introduced, he won the press conference. I think everybody was impressed. Everybody was impressed with him coming in. Danny Hope was hired after after Tiller, right? And that was an interim job. You know, for one year he was going to be there. So that didn't have this triumphant in, uh, entry on a on a steed with flags waving. That was just a guy that you know Tiller said, "Okay, this is our guy." But we learned more and more about that later. And I think everybody thought this is the economical hire. This is what Morgan Burke likes to do. This is going the cheap route. Other coaches already had started leaving the staff. So that was one. I think everybody was like tentative on that. Hazel, everybody was good. And then for me, I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. I thought Hazel was going to be a good fire hire. And he ended up getting fired. And he earned it. Um, so... Another one that looked that he won, a guy that won the presser, Joe Tiller won the presser when he was introduced. Back when I was in college, he won the presser, and then he won the PR battle afterwards. I was a senior at Purdue. I got to meet him in my dorm, and I was like, man, this guy's awesome. He's so different, so different. Like the way he talks, it was so homesy, uh, but at the same time, he sounded like he loved football, and he was kind of fun, uh, a little bit silly, a lot different than Coletto, right? The contrast was very, very different there. Um, he won that, and then they ended up winning a lot. My whole point is there's no real formula in that part about if they are good in the introduction, they are good. I guarantee if Paul Christ at Wisconsin was was awful in his intro because Paul Christ, when he talks, is not he's not going to light a fire for anybody. Paul Christ was pretty pretty successful at Wisconsin. I think you have, what, three double-digit win seasons for him at Wisconsin. Pretty damn good. He kind of kept things going the way Wisconsin expects them. Scott Frost. Won the presser. Scott Frost had every every opponent in the Big Ten saying, oh no, Nebraska's found their guy. I think almost every person who watched University of Central Florida play the season before, when Scott Frost was introduced, you're like, oh gosh, they're going to be good. Turns out that never happened. They never got there because Frost was very bad at details, bad at getting teams to finish. He actually didn't have a defense at all, really, at times. The black shirts became kind of a, a stupid trope and it didn't make any sense. My whole point, this is very broad. Ryan Walters can succeed, and it doesn't matter about how he's in introduced, but I can tell you, 
a lot of, listening to him talk at his introduction as defensive coordinator because I went and I reviewed some some tape, if you will, and I was like, eh. He did. I, I wasn't too impressed with him. That's okay. That's just me. Anish was very impressed when he looked at stuff. That's okay. That's him. I think what we all want, if you're a Purdue fan, if you believe this wasn't great, it wasn't a great hire or it was a great hire, if you're a Purdue fan, you should probably say, hey, he's our guy now, so I want this to work. So what good does it do just to bellyache and bitch right now? I don't think it does you any good. Um, I don't, I don't love the fact that Purdue didn't shoot for the moon because Babinski sounded like he was going to do it. But does that mean he's not going to be good? We'll, we'll find out. Time's going to tell. I hope he gets a good offensive coordinator. I hope he builds a great staff. Um, and I think he can. Okay, second point. Second main point. I know I've made like 50 points. I apologize. I'm at 20 minutes and I haven't even gotten to the second thing I want to talk about. But the second thing I want to talk about, of course, is Purdue is number one in basketball. Um, a pretty commanding number one if you look at the amount of number one votes. Um, and I'm going to look at a couple other polls real quickly. On Ken Palm, as we speak today, they are fourth um, in the net. They are third. And, of course, in the AP, they are number one. That's a pretty good indicator that they're a pretty good team. And there are other people talking about, well, um, teams ranked in this position at this time of year, generally one of those teams win the national title. And if you're a Purdue fan, you got to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not buying into that crap yet. I'm just happy. I hope you're like me. Happy they're number one. But this is a way different thing than a year ago when Purdue was number one, is it not? You remember that vibe? That felt like Purdue had hit a bit of a mountaintop. I know I wanted it to happen just to say, Okay, they've done this. Mark it off the list. Now move forward. Keep playing basketball. Keep getting better. And I think this team will do that. I hope this team continues to play with a chip on their shoulder in spite of the fact they're number one. We will see over time. Um, but the goal is not to be number one in December. The goal is not to be number one in January. The goal is to be number one in April. And Purdue's goal should be, okay, let's get the damn Final Four and see what happens, right? Um and so if they're going to do that, obviously you saw Nebraska take them out of their game a little bit. Teams are going to rough up Edie every chance they can get, try to make it hard on him, and then guys have to knock down shots, which they simply didn't do last game. Uh, that made a big difference. So I'm excited about Purdue being number one, excited about the potential for Ryan Walters. But, man, right now there's still a ton of question marks, and he has to go shore up the guys that are there. Hard job. Think about this. You get you – get, Welcome in. Right now, he's working, I would think, trying to get those players on board. I'm sure they're having meetings. They've already had at least one meeting where they've talked to him. So he has to get the guys on board. Um, then he has to, okay, let's see what we have. Look at the lay of the land. Where do I need to go for transfer portal? Start talking on the transfer portal. And then he's got to start making sure the, the recruiting class gets signed. That's already had great attrition. Jeff Brom has absolutely rated his own, own pro, old program, which happens. But he's already taken four or five, I think, officially away from Purdue. Thanks a lot, Jeff. And, um, yeah, so Purdue has its work cut out for them. Ryan Walters has his work to cut out for him. And Purdue, we knew going into next year's schedule, it's harder. Purdue loses a lot of parts. That makes it more difficult. So Walters is in a bit of a, I don't want to say full rebuild. I hate saying that. But uh, there's a lot of work to do for Purdue's football program. I'm going to read some comments here on the side, and then I'm going to call it a day. I appreciate all you guys tuning in live and those who are listening taped as well. Uh, but let's uh, see what everybody says. Boiler Up says Mohill 93. Mohill 93 always is on the road. I just, I've made a, it's not fair. You've been to a lot of road games, though, so a lot better than me there. 
Um, excited for a young, hungry coach, uh, but thought we might have gotten someone with a bigger name. Um, but it could be a huge hit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a bigger name would have been nice. I think a bigger name, what that does, if it's not just winning the press conference, it's the what does he do for recruits and what does he do for guys that are there. Now, they get to be in the room with him and see how convincing he is. I would think that Walter's going to do a great job in making defenders believe, yeah, you're going to be a part of something pretty special. So the kid from Cathedral, uh, who I don't think has decided to, to leave his commitment, would be a, that'd be a big a bit of a coup to keep him here. Um, and there are a couple of Purdue players on the current roster that I really want to make sure they're here next year, especially in this defensive system. We'll see what happens. The next couple of weeks are going to be crucial, of course. Um, we'll know a lot when the kids go back to school in January where the team stands. Before then, Purdue gets to play in the Citrus Bowl, and there's even a lot can happen there because of the academics. Uh, Jim Garfinkel says, Walters should be solid working through uh, the new normal of college football. He has good, uh, if he has a good 23 season, that'd be a successful trial by fire. If he has a poor season, he needs some grace. I agree. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to think he should come in and – light the world on fire. But I do think that Purdue fans are going to want to see a modicum of success, meaning I'm not even going to put a, I'm not gonna put a definition on that until we know the, the personnel. That's hard to make. And he's inheriting something that you really don't know if he can actually have that roster filled with the type of guys he wants right away. Then again, if he's really good in the transfer portal, which he might be, okay? He might be. One of the guys we we're looking at, like we talked about Helton. Helton was incredible in the transfer portal, um, in fact, he just raided another program, and he's talked about that. Uh, but is that the way you want to build a program? Ask Mel Tucker if that's the way you want to build a program. It's not. Uh, let's see. Ted Berkey says, just need to get a better feel for the coach to determine how successful he can be. Yeah, you can get – I think that's true. We need that, but also we're not going to know for a little bit. Um, Patrick Pence, good point. And Bavinsky, we trust. Um, I'm a fan of Bavinsky. I've been a fan of Bavinsky, but I can tell you that I really, he set my expectations high, and my expectations, going back to that name thing, were not met today. That does not mean they won't be met in the long run. So he could be a great hire. I look forward to hearing what, what they have to say, how they spin it, the story they tell, all that stuff matters. I know a lot of Purdue fans jumped off the bandwagon because the hire took too long in their mind. Uh, I don't know what they're looking for. I guess they're looking for an immediate hire, and they want the guy to be uh, – Nick Saban. I, I, I don't know what some people want, but it's generally not realistic. Um, let's see. Gatlinburg Bears always has fun stuff to say. Wish we uh, would have hired Jim Chaney uh, when we had the chance. If you're going to hire a DC, uh, which, I'm not, which, which I'm not a fan of, why not hire Brock Spack? Okay, so I, I had this conversation with multiple people today. I like Brock Spack. Okay, um, I've liked Brock Speck for a long time. And Brock Speck is a bit of a proven commodity. So Anish and I had a little bit of back and forth. Michael on the site had a, yeah, Michael, that Michael, had a little bit of back and forth uh, talking about Spack. And I said, Spack to me would be a pretty good candidate, especially if you want to say a guy that you're like, okay, if things don't go quite the way we want, reach out to Spack. You know he can build a, uh, a staff. One people, a couple people said, you know, he's 60 right now. He has been in the lower division, so he hasn't really recruited up in this level. Those things matter, and they do. And SPAC has openly complained about the NIL uh, era, and um, that's something I think as a young coach, that's one thing there's an advantage there of having a younger guy who maybe has a better view of the rapidly changing college football world. I think as you get older, things like that are harder to adjust to, and 
Maybe having a young guy. Maybe this is just what the doctor ordered. We'll see. Uh, MJK Media says, uh, just just watched an Illini fan podcast. They describe Walters as special. Yes, and this is a point. If I didn't make this, I apologize. Thanks for bringing that up. That Illinois fans are pretty upset that they lost this guy. And that, to me, is a big sign of how good he is whenever you have other fan bases saying, man, we didn't want him to leave. And a lot of people are even saying the reason Illinois had that many wins last year, eight of those wins, I think somebody said. I read that someplace. Eight of those wins are directly attributed to the defense being strong. Now, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here just because it's fun. Okay, So you can say that's the reason Illinois was good on defense. I can also say that Walter's defense against Purdue, my interaction with them, you had, let's go, uh, David Blau threw for 570 yards against Walter's defense when he was co-DC at Missouri. Um, then uh, Purdue struggled. To, they could not move the ball last year. That was the game where in into the fourth quarter, I think Purdue had, had six or nine points, and they ended up squeaking out that, that, uh, that game. But Illinois was tough on defense. And then this year, Purdue scored 31, 32 points, 34 points, something right in there, um, and beat Illinois, kind of knocked them off their pedestal because they were playing really well at that point. Also, IU with uh, Basilek is, as uh, I think that's his name, at quarterback. Uh, they didn't score a lot of points, but they were able to beat Illinois. All these things kind of matter, and they always say defenses are better prepared early in the season. IU played them the very first game, and that was one of Illinois' only uh, blemishes this season. So if you want to look at, uh, yeah, g- Statistically, he built a great defense. No one's going to argue that. And he built the number one defense in America statistically up to a certain point. I don't know what they were to end the season. But when they played Purdue, they were number one in the nation. And Purdue kind of knocked them off that. Um, And I don't think Purdue was brilliant that day or perfect, but they played pretty well. So those are the only things. Head-to-head, the things came to mind. I looked up those games because my my memory. um, There was also the game where Purdue went to Missouri, and I think he was only – I think he was – co-DC at that point, full DC when Blau just, you know, in Ross said, Purdue got robbed because they did the ref didn't call that one catch. Um, good. Uh, but that other game, Purdue ran all over them. Uh, I think they had two or three running backs run for 80-plus yards. Purdue won comfortably 35-3 to three or something like that. And that was against his defense too. But Purdue didn't need to pass it all that much. He was more of a safety catch at that point. It's just things to think about. They really don't matter, but they're things to think about. Uh, Patrick Pence says three brothers controlled the program, which rubs some other assistants the wrong way. Uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I, I would think it'd be tough to not have the last name Brom in the old um, coaching staff. I don't think anybody's gonna, but I think they hired pretty good people. They had a lot of capable guys on the on the staff. So um, sorry, I just kind of pick, I cherry pick these, and I'll go. Richard Connor says. We know this at least. The dude is going to look really good on the sidelines in the old going black. He looks the part. Uh, it's always good to have a coach that looks like he could suit up today, and he looks like he's lean, and he could probably still run. I think he was a safety at Colorado. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's good. I think Brom kind of looked like a badass, though, especially the last two years. He looked he got a little soft at year three, if I remember correctly. Then he started working out. It was pretty impressive. I wonder. Um, Greg McManus, I just wanted to mention him because we go back and forth so often on Twitter, said the assistant pool needs to be super competitive, top tier. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Completely agree. I think it's super important right now. Um, I'm going to do one or two more comments here. Joe Ensley says, do we know that uh, Bobo didn't shoot for the moon? No, we don't, Joe. And so <laughs> this is where you. I, I, I feel like there's some responsibility that I have just because thanks to you guys for watching. There's a lot of people that have been watching and listening to us recently. Um, a lot of Kansas State fans, mainly. 
clowns. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people that come on the site, listen to us, whatever. There are parents of players, uh, and I want to be positive. I appreciate everything they do for Purdue because, you know, when, when your kid is literally bleeding for the program, for the school, it's a special place for me. You're doing stuff that I couldn't do physically. That's awesome. Um, and I don't want to diminish anything uh, that Purdue's done. But we don't know anything. Babinski was so good at controlling the information. I think that's a positive for kind of the business side of the athletic department. Because you hear some of these programs, they have just leaks. Things are you know, going all direction. And uh, Babinski didn't really have that. We don't know exactly what happened. What we do know is the people that talk and spoke up, uh, spoke up to the media, whether they said they were the cousins, neighbors, whatever, or if there were media types that said, Yep, it's going to be Hilton. Or their media type said, yep, they've got it. It's this or this. Almost every time when I heard this or this, it wasn't either of those guys. Walters was never in that either or. Um, so Hilton Beamer. Hilton, there's one other that I kept hearing. But they were never right. Those leaks were never right. So uh, that's a good thing for uh, for Babinski. He did a good job on that. Um Zachary Young says, doesn't matter how any of us feel, how do the players feel? Yep, hopefully this stops the mass exodus potential of the portal. It's, yeah, and Zach, you're, you're talking about an issue that's kind of a problem with college football right now. The calendars don't really allow for a transition of a, one coach leaving, another one coming in, because early signing day, NIL, the potential for everybody to leave when they want to, the academics all coming, like, bunched into, like, a two-, three-week period. Um, it really matters how he sells that to the athletes. I will say, though, I think it's easier to sell an athlete that there's something special forming when you're a younger, energetic coach. I just feel like those guys are like, all right, let's go. You say, hey, listen, you guys know what we're like at Illinois. You know what the plan is for later. We're building a special staff, and we've got a team. We think we've got the parts here. We just have to build around it. You can be part of something special. That idea, getting a kid to buy in, I think – you can sell that a lot easier than some of the fans based on what I'm seeing. But you start winning a couple games, the fans will be won in. It doesn't matter. But the more important thing is getting the players on. But in the grand scheme of things, this year, getting these guys here isn't absolutely the end-all, be-all either. It's just how will his start of his program be and how many guys are program changers that are maybe guys that didn't see the field too much this year and will in a year or two. Those are good points. Those are good ways to look at it. Um, Let's finally, uh, let's see. Kirk Schnipple uh, says, hope the fans and administrators give some time to build this thing. And I think Purdue fans, uh, the logical among us, are um, a fair-minded group. Uh, we're also a critical group. I think we can, can build a case against something pretty easily. But, um, but I don't think there's a ton of group think among us like we don't kind of whip ourselves into a frenzy um i think the loudest voices are generally the least uh, logical when you go on twitter i don't care if it's positive or negative and i think it's smart here to go into this saying okay i want him to succeed it's my alma mater i obviously want him to succeed and if you're like me and you're like yeah this could go either way but i think you can do it if some things fall in place i think it's a good way to look at it and i think you ought to go into it uh, I don't think blindly going in just saying, yep, it's going to happen. I don't think that makes much sense. That's not uh, – maybe it's just because I'm old and I'm jaded. But, yeah. Oh, good. The porn bots are here. Uh, that's the first for me as an individual. Maybe it's a time marker, 35 minutes. I've been on a long time. I wanted to – one more. Ben uh, Kolodzinski, uh, Twitter pal of ours for years. 
appreciate him being on here. The scary part is the basketball team will continue to get better. Very exciting for both basketball and football. It's a fun era, right? Purdue has been good in football now for two straight seasons. And in basketball, they just continue to chug along as Painter has created a culture and a system that he knows the type of guys to recruit and guys are buying in. And it it feels like we're edging closer and closer to the true breakthrough. And I hate to get too big into this stuff, too sentimental, whatever you want to call it, too emotional, I guess, is the... Um, but, yeah, part of me really believes it's close. And I hope I'm right. But you got to get past, you gotta get past uh, January, February, and, and keep it all together and show improvement still. So... Um, yeah, that's about it. So I do appreciate it. Mark Garrity, one more comment. Uh, I'm good with reasonable expectations. I was hoping not to lose the progress that we had built over the last six years. I'm hopeful that he can do it, and I'm going to be optimistic. Good way to say it. And the the big thing there, if I'm going to parse up some of the things you said, uh, hope we don't lose the progress that has been built. In some ways, that progress, some of that progress is already gone. And I mean, if you've got problems with the academic issues, if you've got problems with um, guys heading towards Louisville, recruits, that sort of thing, uh, things are pretty tenuous in this era of football. Like Anish said, like Jay said, Purdue needs to sell itself as a program, as an athletic department, as a very stable place, a place where they give you some time to win and they're going to support you financially, give you the facilities you need. Remember, Purdue's breaking ground on a bunch of stuff right now. It's the nutritional facility, the additional stands, which will be the student section. That's going to be a big deal for whoever's the next coach, Walters, not whoever, but Walters and his staff, right? They got another thing to brag about to recruits. Um, it's harder to brag about it when it's just a, a bunch of rubble. It's a lot better and easier to take a kid and his parents through it. So that those are advantageous things, um, but uh, the future is bright, so... All right, that's about all I've got for you. We are at 38 minutes. I think it's the longest quick cast I've ever done by myself. I do appreciate everybody tuning in live, everybody tuning in uh, recorded. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, December 14th in the evening, probably, I'm going to guess our normal time is around 9, if I can figure out how to work everything. Uh, everybody makes fun of me, but whatever. If you've ever done a, a, a stream and you have a Mac and you have an external mic, an external camera, all this stuff has to talk to it. it. Needs like three different pieces of software. It's not easy, but I'm also 47, so what can I tell you? God bless you. Hammer down. Have a great evening, and uh, let's uh, let's stay hopeful. Good things are coming.